As we've told you, Malcolm Honeline is in Jerusalem, which makes our segment extra special. He is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Honeline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's great to be with you, and especially from the city we both love so much. It is an amazing city, and I don't know if you've had an opportunity to uh, take the pulse or feel the pulse of the electorate in uh, in Jerusalem and other areas of Israel yet, but we will certainly get to that. But we'll start, of course, with Iran. Uh, the, it, it's baffling. Yesterday afternoon, I'm saying to myself that these provocations by Iran, you would think a president like President Trump would immediately, and, and some might even say haphazardly, jump into action and retaliate, or at least, you know, uh, do something that looks like a gesture of, uh, you know, watch out, folks. You know, we're here ready to take action if, in fact, you continue this type of behavior. And apparently, according to the news, he was ready to do that and pulled back at the last moment. Could you tell us why the president is hesitating? No, I don't know why. I, I think it is in part because, he, you know, he promised to get us out of and extricate us out of all the Middle East wars and other wars. Uh, he has escalated the presence uh, of our troops there and our ships, uh, but why he pulled back, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to send a message by scrambling the planes and then showing the Iranians that he means business. Whether they read that that way after he pulled them back or not, you know, we will only know. But he did say to them that he's giving them a deadline to negotiate. And, it, and there are meetings now going on with Secretary Pompeo and their intelligence briefings in a short while. So I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see whether there's um, an alternative plan or another uh, action that is uh, being contemplated. I think doing nothing would be a big mistake. The Iranians only understand one message, message and that's of strength. And what the, their husband, what their calculations were in doing this is unclear. What we do know is that they constantly test and probe the West and see whether we have the determination to really respond, to take the risk. They don't want a war, and we don't want a war, and God willing, there won't be one, but they have to know that there are going to be consequences. Now they've, they've had these attacks against a number of ships uh, in the in, and the threat to the shipping in through the Straits of Hormuz overall, which is an international waterway. The shooting down of a drone over what appears to be international waters, and certainly America's position is that it, that they it wasn't over international waters, and therefore Iran had no right to take it down. The um, their continuing support for global terrorism and for efforts to undermine the regime in in, in the region. We we just uncovered continuing efforts to get weapons to the West Bank, and they admitted and talk about with pride their efforts to surround Israel from all its fronts, from Hamas in Gaza and Manpij, uh, Hezbollah in the north, Iran, where you have the Shiite militias and Iran Revolutionary Guard and Hezbollah, uh, and now they want to try to get into West Bank. Israel has uncovered a number of, of plots, including a big uh, spy cell based in Jordan, where they set up a factory as a front to get people into Israel. Uh, so Iran's is making very clear what, what the determination they have to, to and their, what their intentions are. Uh, we also see that they failed to implement the uh, agreements they reached on the financial, uh, the money laundering and financial areas, the uh, financing of terror, and there are meetings going on now that will determine if they will 
uh, be subject to to additional um, uh, sh- sanctions or not. They should be. The FATF will decide in the in the in this period. Um, uh, too often they just pass on what Iran does, and that's why it's very important that the global message that Europeans are getting tired of what the Iranians are doing, aside from plotting from within their countries, but that they are in violation of the nuclear deal, and they declare all the time how they can, they're going to enrich uranium, how they can get their process back in a couple of days, which means they did not destroy any infrastructure. We see what the Houthis are doing. I mean, they are instigating everywhere, and uh, we need to draw the line in the sand. Iran has to know, and I think the American sanctions have been amazing, and they're having a tremendous impact. All the reports we get show that, uh, uh, but they, they also have to understand that the red lines mean red lines. You see the Russians going after them in Syria. We know that they, they're facing tensions all over. We should take advantage of these moments. And um, and the big meeting that will take place this weekend, this coming in the coming days, of the three heads of National Security Council from Russia, Israel, and the United States, I think will address this very topic. Um, and that's pretty remarkable, by the way. Not to get philosophical, this is a serious news item. But the fact that those three countries are being represented at that meeting, you know, for Israel and for Jewish history is quite significant. But again. Uh, I think most of this audience knows what I mean. What's what is a large uh, spy ring? How, how many people are involved in that uh, in, in the spy ring they broke up? I mean, well, it, the one there was one guy arrested, but there are more. There are people in the supposing the West Bank who are involved. I think it's it's still early. The, the information has been um, kept quiet until now. It wasn't. It was discovered a, a while ago, but they just today released the information. So we'll get much more on it in the, I'm sure in the next day or so. And in terms of the reaction of the president, and I get what you're saying and understand, you know, what the hesitation might be. But as you said, there's only one language the enemy understands. It's it's suspicious. Suspicious not only because of his nature and because politically one would think that you know he would understand the importance of retaliation or action, whatever you want to call it. But is it possible that some business interest, not to be too cynical, but is it possible that some business interest, especially keeping in mind that that out of the ordinary visit from the Japanese leader to Iran, is it possible that some business interests uh, on this globe kept the president in a state of hesitation to move in and do something against Iran? I, I have no way of knowing, and I... I... Uh, but I would seriously doubt that that's the calculation here, neither his, his business interests nor those of others. Uh, it's interesting to note that when the prime minister of Japan, Abe, was in Tehran, they attacked a Japanese tanker. That was one of the ships that were hit in the Gulf of Oman. Um, so I, I think that the, the president is inhibited by the you know, his pledge and, and that he is trying to adhere to all the things he promised during the campaign and it's fulfilling them one by one. And you see the constant reiteration of that. I think he's very focused on the 2020, 2020 election or re-election. Uh, whether they got additional intelligence or something else, obviously it's not something we will know uh, or, or may ever know. But what we, we do know is how Iran reacts and how how these messages um, uh, resonate uh, with them, and the the fact that that 
even with the sanctions and the punishment of their people, that they continue almost unabated in the hostile activities to the degree that their finances allow. They have cut back on Monday, money that went to, uh, to Hezbollah, uh, as we see that they are trying to raise funds in, in uh, uh, other ways. But Iran keeps professing that they have the tools to take on the United States, that they have the missile capacity, they have the ships, they, they have run have, uh, havoc with some of our shipping in the in military vehicles, uh, vessels in the Gulf. Uh, this should not be tolerated. And they're not going to do anything. They're not going to risk a war. They know that we will sink their Navy in no time. Can they activate terrorism? Could they try to do some diversionary activities with Hamas or Hezbollah? Hezbollah likely, less likely to engage in it. In the Gaza, it would probably be the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Uh, but they've had the demonstrations every Friday ongoing. They they are stimulating a lot of these uh, these things. The Iranians, their, their hand is in in every pot in the region, um, but. They are losing on many fronts, and they are, their position is weaker given the economic uh, underpinnings of the country yep. have been so shaken by this sanction. It's the strongest, weakest country we've ever seen, frankly, <laughs> because they're do- You don't need a lot of money for terrorism. You know, that, that is not as expensive and difficult to do, and especially when you have, uh, you know, agents around the world who, who are actively engaged. But they are. I know, but from time, their, per- but from their, per- but from their perspective, they're bringing the U.S. to its knees. That's the problem. That's what I mean by strong. From their perspective, you know what's going on in Iran now. They're, 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 they're telling their people, look, look what we've done. We've, we've taken action. We've provoked, and, and nobody's done anything to us. Yeah, they're showing pictures which claim to show that it, the, the plane was the uh, drone was over the um, over territory of Iran. Uh, but, but, you know, to me, more symbolic is that they have a huge billboard in Tehran which shows American and Israeli ships being sunk, being being destroyed. Um, this this started a few days before the attacks on the on the um, Gulf tankers. Uh, so they're they're advertising what they they're doing. These are all clear messages. And if we if we don't counter it, the people of Iran want to see the West take them on um, strongly. And you see that when Russia presses them to get out of the Aleppo airport, as they have now, they got out. And Soleimani himself ordered that they move to to another location because the Russians don't want to have any retaliation by Israel that could damage their assets. Russia knows how to deal with it. And I think that the the three-way meeting, but just one point about the three-way meeting, as you noted, is extremely important. It's very unusual. And the fact that the three uh, are meeting on, on the basis they are as three equal partners, and the Russian media, TASS, had a big story yesterday uh, about the meeting and saying how important it is. And it sends a good message also to the other countries in the region. But it puts Israel as a partner, and, and Russia obviously uh, is a key player in, in Syria. Israel wants the foreign forces out and wants to see them live up to their commitment to keep Iranian troops uh, 60 or 80 kilometers from the border, which they haven't done. Uh, this is a really significant meeting. You know, the two superpowers, and the, on the assumption there are two superpowers, they, they could lean on Israel to, you know, to get out there and, and demonstrate their willingness to do something against Iran. That could, that could be a product of this meeting. Oh, Israel's not one of the superpowers. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, it is possible.
Yeah, it is possible, and that and that might put Israel in a sensitive position. Although I don't know if they would, have, frankly, if they had both Russian and U.S. backing, I don't know if they would hesitate to do anything. You know, frankly. but Israel's not Israel. Nobody wants to see Israel in the middle of this because it, right. it, it has obviously ramifications. But can't Israel, Israel do, is can't, an interested party in any of this? But can't Israel do something and 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 it look like it came from somewhere else? That has happened. Um, <laughs> that has happened in the past. I think we should leave that for others. To <laughs> it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Support us in our spring fundraiser by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and give generously. Malcolm Holmline is in Jerusalem today. Uh, and uh, commercial airlines are completely avoiding Iranian airspace at this point, right? They don't want to, they don't want to be shot down, right? That's right. They've been instructed to yeah. avoid uh, a big swath of the of the airways. All right. What do you, what do we do when United States government officials uh, compare United States temporary shelters on the Mexican border with concentration camps? Well, when somebody who really displays ignorance of this nature and um, refuses to confront it in the way they demand people who make far less abhorrent comments than that. Uh, it, it reflects on one that they, she either didn't know and doesn't understand what happened in the concentration camps, what went on there, doesn't know what's going on along our border, or deliberately, and this is not the first time where she has misstated facts and engage in this kind of uh, rhetorical uh, flourishes that um, are are truly insulting to survivors to the to the Shoah. it's dim, uh, a diminution uh, of it whether and I'm not even sure she knows what the significance of what she said and why it is so offensive wow but the time has come you know that that they just can't keep getting away with it and it's for the voters in the district. It's for the leaders of the Democratic Party. It's for people to, who who uh, are involved, who are ideologically linked, to, to finally take a stand and to say this is unacceptable. Now, a number of people did, and a number of, of public officials, Democrats, and others have called on her to apologize. She clearly says she's not going to. I don't need her apology. And I think that it's time to take the focus off of her. These people, are a few out of the 64 freshmen and out of 435 members of the House and members of the Senate, um, uh, who are getting all the attention, all the limelight, it only feeds their ego and their – I mean, this, this is somebody who a year ago was a bartender and now is, is, is uh, pontificating about the economy and about all sorts of other uh, issues about uh, which I, uh, she knows little uh, that the and now going after other members of Congress publicly stating if she threatened Hakeem Jeffries' seat and now Elliot Engel's seat wow. and others because the, the, the ego gets so enlarged and so uh, exaggerated because of the attention she goes around the country she becomes a national figure because of the, all the media hyping and highlighting I think to do we should just isolate them ignore them highlight the good guys talk about the Stephanie Murphys and others who are standing up for the right things for Israel those those who are courageous enough to buck the trends in some parts of uh, the political spectrum and uh, are doing the right thing. And I think the, you know, too much of the energy is being sucked up by them and the media loves them and keeps highlighting it because they love controversy. 
well, there's a price here too, and and I think that uh, we all have to think and consider what is the most effective strategy to deal um, with this. And and when I see some of the Democrats who have come out, uh, some some supporters of the Democratic Party, that has a lot of significance and and sends an important message. I would hope to hear from some of the others who profess to be our friends, let alone. Uh, uh, those who are outside of that category, to to take a stand now. It, it, there's no more excuses, no more exceptions. This is a very critical time with the rise of anti-Semitism, and soon a speech I gave here yesterday will be on the on the internet. And I hope people will watch it because I address what it is that we have to do and 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 how I think now in a new way we must approach this uh, this pandemic of anti-Semitism I can only that is spread to our shores. I can only imagine how much time you spend on this issue and how many leaders, and I, I'm not naming names, and, I'm, and I know that you are accurate when you say some Democratic leaders have been outspoken and wonderful on this topic and others have been disappointing, but the ones who are disappointing must just, it, it must frustrate you to no end uh, that they haven't come out. Uh, against her statements and, and and really you know come out strongly against her and other other government officials who are who are saying outrageous things. Uh, what did you think of the Polish member of Parliament who invited her to see the concentration camps all these decades later, up close and personal? I mean, is it a stunt? Is it something that that you you would prefer she would accept? What do you think when that offer was made? You know, it's exactly the thoughts that go through your head, and you know, I think that. It could well be that it was an honest motivation that somebody's saying, look, she's ignorant. She clearly doesn't know what was going on in the concentration camps. She should come and visit. Yad Vashem said that also issued statements saying that they, she, she should visit, she should learn uh, about this. I mean, she wasn't alive during the Shoah. It could well be like most Americans. They know very little about it. A very significant part couldn't name a concentration camp, didn't know what Auschwitz was. You know, a significant part said that only four million died, not six million. I mean, we see the impact of Holocaust denial and and diminution. And in her case, it it, it could be that she's really ignorant, just read about what the the camps were, knew the name and the, of concentration camp, but very little about what the the true significance of the term is and the reference that it, it implies. Uh, so I think the Polish offer. I, I will take it at face value that he meant it seriously, but I don't know that they want to be educated. I don't know that they they have taken the opportunities to hear from people. And she said there are many others who, who survivors and others who contacted her and offered to to uh, talk about their own experiences firsthand. There are people in Queens who she can see who who will tell her and still have the numbers and and a uh, part of the remnant of the. Well, that's that a good generation. idea. I wonder if there was some outreach from members of the Holocaust survivor community in her district. That's it, actually. But I know is she, she's very not, she's uh, not interested in learning, not on the Israel front, not on the other fronts. Interesting. But again, we're we're, we're spending all this time on her. Right, I get it. But than, but but also, does it, <laughs> I understand that. But there's an important message here because you mentioned the voters, and frankly, the way things work, and people listening around the world may not be as familiar with this, but the way things work in New York. I mean, she could be an incumbent for quite a while, even with all the efforts that I'm sure are going to go on in terms of trying to displace her. Because you know how you know how how things go when it comes to these congressional seats, especially in a state like ours. 
So well, I, I think she'll attract a lot of money, uh, uh, just for a second. Yeah, sure. But, you know, she won with 10% of the votes. So it was a fluke vote because of Crowley's, you know, disinterest right. or failure to, 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 to really actively promote. But I think she will get a lot of financial support from extremists who share her point of view right. or some of her points of view. So it's really an uphill battle to replace her. You can't, it's just, you can't just blame the voters. It's a, The system, you know, limits to, you know, to what degree one can succeed when trying to get her out. So it's, it's, I blame the voters for not coming out in the first election, right. and and they, you know, and even amongst my minority community, she did not win a majority in the blacks and Hispanic community during the first election, and I don't think that they want somebody uh, who who will profess things like this rather than focusing and doing constructive things to to uh, meet the needs of her constituents. Uh, then we have this actor, John Cusack, who uh, tweeted a racist, anti-Semitic photo. We, we can go through the whole thing, but I don't think it's necessary. People who are interested in this stuff certainly have followed the back and forth and all his excuses and what he thought and what, what he, how he thought Twitter works and how, what he thought the Star of David means, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There, there is an atmosphere, and you know that I said this two weeks ago, that this is the new you know, Malcolm Honeline um, uh, Islamic fundamentalism, fundamentalism speech. This is now, in 2019, the main focus of the Jewish community in the United States, and that is that people who are government officials, influential actors, people involved in arts and culture are not hesitating to make or tweet or post anti-Semitic statements. A guy like this, I mean, for, I guess, you know, to save his career is, you know, making every excuse in the book and trying to you know, walk the whole thing back. But we have to realize that there are people who are not hesitating. And it's one thing when it's in their minds, and it's one thing when people are viewed as the enemy. But when they have no hesitation to state it, Malcolm, we are in a different situation. I couldn't agree more. And if you remember, years ago, I warned that this would be the model based on what we saw in England as opposed to France, where it's, it starts amongst the intellectual classes, the elites, the entertainment, the the people right. who are influentials and opinion molders, and then seeps down to society. And when an entertainer is able to get away with that, when you see people who are you know fired from positions or shows and things because of much lesser uh, significant comments and less offensive, and if there's no consequence and, and the public determines the consequence of whether people appear or not by whether they support it or make their voices heard, uh, about such uh, outrageous comments, and and you can't dismiss it because it influences a lot of people. When they, they have a, a bully platform, uh, people, movie stars. Right now, we have. Uh, I met yesterday with fifteen of the players from the um, Patriots, the New England Patriots, who are here visiting together with Bob Kraft, the owner of the team, who won the Genesis Prize last night. Um, and if you'd hear how they're extolling the experience of Israel, uh, America's Voices has Sean Watkins here, the quarterback, a young quarterback from uh, Texas. And he gave interviews today just just telling how he fell in love with Israel. And that was the reaction of all these current and former stars of the of the Patriots. They won, what, five or six, um, I think. Um, that would be six, now. Super Bowls. Huh? That would be that six, would be Malcolm. Six. Yeah, I know. I wanted to test you. I'm a Jet fan. And, uh, trust me, I know about every one of them. <laughs> so, you know, and, I don't even know and, if it, I don't even know if a Philly boy is allowed to praise Boston teams like this. But okay, we'll let we'll let it, we'll let it slide. Uh, this time. I praise the players, not the teams. There you go. Just, there you go. And and the Chelsea team, which has done amazing things in fighting anti-Semitism, and and they're devoting millions of dollars. They announced last night 
he himself, Mr. Kev, gave $20 million and announced many more millions are being raised um, to establish uh, a center to fight anti-Semitism on the Internet, cyber hate. And, uh, I mean, these are tachlis, the real steps that are being taken by people who, who really care. So those are the people I think we should highlight. We should build the standard that the, the J.K. Rowlings, the professed presidents of, uh, you know, Fister, Williams, Cornell, who have done courageous things, the profiles and courage are the people we should be talking about so that they know that you get attention when you do the right thing. Right now the message is you get all of the limelight when you say outrageous and do the wrong thing. Well, I agree with you, and you know that the majority of the time we are highlighting the type of people you just described and the statements that they're making. I just wonder if if, if one has to do with the other, that as, as high-profile people continue to be very outspoken about their love for Israel and in turn their love for the Jewish people, I wonder if that motivates certain other people who have a pulpit to get out there and if they feel the opposite, to state the opposite. I wonder if one has to do with the other. Who knows? Well, but the you know the the opposition is quick to go to the internet, and when any of these players or others say positive things, right. you quickly see the right. haters come out. And right. it's very important that the people who support it make their voices heard. It doesn't take anything; doesn't cost anything. Just to like and to support the comments that that uh, these people make. If they get only negative messages in the same way, maybe you know they're reading the thing wrong. They're doing it out of an honest. A reaction to what they have seen and what they have experienced, and we should express appreciation for the for those who are courageous enough to stand up and speak out. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, when is this Bahrain conference already? When is it happening? Soon. In uh, it, yes, yeah, very soon. It's it's thirteenth. Uh, I forgot the date now. Uh, but before but the, before the end of June. Yes, I met with people yesterday who are going, business people, others. Israel is not officially participating, but the... the um, so even though Fatah is be, calling for violence, people are not hesitating to go? Not, so far not, and they are calling a violence in Israel and along the borders, especially uh. in Gaza and the West Bank. Uh, so we may see some escalation there, but... The you know the very fact that the meeting is taking place is important. If we show that there is still ongoing action, the the Palestinians marginalize themselves by by their actions, and um, I credit um, Jason and the team and the, their consistency. The the fact that the, this is called a workshop, it's not a conference. It's meant to be tachlis and and hopefully will be. Um, you know, uh, the, the the call by Abbas's Fatah to to have the violence during those days, I think, highlights that that it's not just that they don't want to be part of it; they don't want it to succeed. They don't want to see anything uh, really succeed. You know, they expelled the mayor of their Cadiz because he attended, along with some of his uh, the residents of his city or village. Uh, a Jewish wedding of right. a coworker yes. at the at the auto plants with hey where right. they think I mean it just goes down to this kind of base level uh, in, in which they're uh, and and they continue to violate the Oslo Agreement they applied to the IEA and were accepted the International Atomic Energy Agency as a member quote state when when um, those are things that are not supposed to take place at this time. Uh, and they violate in in every other way. And Israel, in the meantime, is laying new water lines to Gaza, still trying to improve the quality of life, showing you know that their priorities are in the right place. 
the Bahrain thing will will prove. Uh, I don't think people's expectations should be high to see instant agreements, and there will be statements made by participants, you know, who will have to pay lip service to some of the issues. Uh, but the uh, outcome could well be at least an awakening, an ongoing discussion of positive, constructive steps, and then the political elements will be dealt with, they said, after November. Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't know if Jason and the team are going to admit it, but at this point it looks like no peace plan before the end of the year. Look, people have to be patient. Peace plans aren't, uh, you know, instant coffee. <laughs> they don't, you can't just... I know, but, but some and, White uh, House administrations have done this a little quicker. I mean, I understand we have to be patient, but, you know. Well, but, well, but don't forget, you had the elections in Israel and another election in Israel, and they are... You know, uh, Ooh, I said I would uh, ask you about that. Have you been able to, to to feel the pulse of the people? Anybody into this new election yet or not? They are not. They the people talk about it because you know every all the speculation and and things. But like in America, I don't think till after Labor Day till they get much closer. Don't forget they went through the whole campaign. There isn't vast changes yet, except the Labor Party is you know the, the the head of the party number two and others have quit and they are electing new leadership. Oh, really? uh, the, the 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 question about Shaked taking over on the new right and and what Bennett's future will be, but by, by and large, you know, it's it's speculation on those levels. There's no change in policy and platforms, and I don't see any revolutionary change in blue and white. Or uh, we'll find out if there are any changes in Likud, but so far it doesn't appear that way. Uh, the government continues to function as well as government's function. Uh, the Knesset <laughs> seems to get together once in a while. But the, um, you know, sometimes the message is that you're better off when there isn't a government. Right. Uh, but, but the concern is that nobody sees an alternative, I, I've, at least as far as I've heard and spoken to people from across the board. You know, there is a BB fatigue that has been in evidence in the past, but everybody recognizes that he is, he is the guy who has uh, the, has proven the ability and, and uh, the relationship with President Trump is seen as an important asset in the, in the new Trump uh, village up in the Golan. Yeah, Mazal uh, tough to the president. To, and and there are, it's a real thing. You know, there there are houses being built yeah. there. It's a real town. people <laughs> who, who signed up to, to uh, live there. Unlike those shady 1950s movies, this is a real town. It's not, it's <laughs> exactly. not one of those. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know that the Palestinians? You know, this is in a sense, it's a funny story, but in reality, it's not really that humorous. That the uh, Palestinians have created a village that they are saying is an ancient Palestinian village, (gasps) but it's a fake. It's it's at a critical point on the road between Yerushalayim and Hebron, and with EU funding, they renovated two primitive stone structures. You know the kind that shepherds use and farmers as a shelter. You see them all over on the in the hills and stuff. So they added 15 homes at the site, and now they have signs saying uh, uh, on these uh, refurbished buildings uh, with the EU emblem saying that the site is an ancient village. But we have photos from 67, as well as historic maps going back to the 1800s that show there never was any settlement on the site. And it's another one of the fictions they create to rewrite history. They, they try to denigrate our history and create a false history for themselves. Just when you think you've seen it all. Uh, enjoy Jerusalem. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Next week, Jerusalem or New York? God willing, New York. All right, so we'll speak to you then. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Uh, Malcolm Holmline from Jerusalem is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here, 740 Eastern Time at JM 
in the AM.